Graphic design empire. Take control of it. Do you know what? These are really great questions. If you want it, you're just going to find a way to get it. episode of the creative waffle podcast today's episode is with gordon from middle boop really really enjoyed this episode uh, it's tons and tons and tons of advice on this one really really good stuff as well um, really in-depth uh, advice i've written up a blog article around this episode of the podcast as well so you can go and check that out at creativewaffle.club um, i go into a bit of a deeper uh, thought and then write out my thoughts on a few of the topics that we discussed on this podcast uh, so yeah go and check that out and uh, yeah all the good stuff over there newsletter as well the library that we're building up uh, loads and loads of of uh, good topics over there that we're building up a big body of advice for you designers out there listening to the podcast uh, and also as a thank you to subscribing for the newsletter if you do that's waffle weekly uh, they'll be getting the big 15 gigabyte uh, zip file with loads of mock-ups textures photoshop actions brushes uh, two books in there as well as two design books which are pdfs and yeah pretty much everything i found on my computer that could be useful to a to a designer so that's creativewaffle.club uh, slash waffle weekly i believe uh, or waffle dash weekly uh, i'll leave a link down in the description of this podcast anyway or you can find it at creativewaffle.club so yeah, there you go uh, without further ado let's get into the podcast with gordon such a good one okay that's it welcome to the podcast we're in cool. um, hello could we start off with who you are, uh, what do you do, your background, sort of education, how you got into being a designer and your first sort of jobs, and just take us through that story. All right, cool, yeah. Well, uh, my name's Gordon Reed. I, I run a, a small studio called Middle Boop, and I've been doing that for over 10 years now, and that's that's evolved as, as my kind of work and, and style has evolved. I started out as an illustrator, straight out of university, um, moved into advertising, was doing advertising for a long time and then set up Middle Boot as it's like an agile branding studio that is aimed at startups. And I've been doing that for a, oh, about a year and a half, two years properly now. Um, I studied at the Epsom Art College, which is now called something different. It was just down the road from me. We did, I did a two-year course there, then went down to Southampton, uh, Southampton University, where I did very little work um, and, and kind of learned a lot about what I didn't want to do in in, in the future. Um, and then kind of uh, really sort of honed my craft, basically the first year or two in the industry, uh, where. I came out of university in the 2008 recession, so there there weren't any jobs particularly. And I think my my kind of ability at the time and style, because I did quite a strange course at university, which was a sort of amalgamation of all sorts of things, like 3D animation. And kind of at the time, all I wanted to do was create artwork, really, create collage work and and work for musicians and bands. And so I kind of rebelled against the course that I was at, sounds a bit cliche, but uh, I just didn't quite get on with it until the third year when I got to know my lecturers really well, who are actually really decent people. Um, and I was kind of producing the same work and always getting bad grades for it. But by the third year, because I'd like gone down the pub with them a few times, they would say to me like, oh, why haven't you, 
why weren't you doing this work since day one? And I was like, well, I kind of always was, but you just weren't really paying attention, I suppose. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's my, it's my journey really. That's what brings me to, to where I am today, I think. Did you ask another question as well? I can't remember now. No, just sort of last year. Sums up nicely. Short and sweet. Um, yeah, just so I just wanted to know, like, this podcast is aimed towards those younger creatives and graduates and uh, people coming out of university. Uh, how 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 do you deal with that that transition, especially thinking about now where it's going? The financial times are a bit hard, and uh, thinking about recession times as well. No one's hiring designers right now. Um, well, there's uncertainty, obviously, with the coronavirus stuff going on. So how how is that related back to when you were coming out of university in a similar time? You know what? I've been talking about this with, with some of the guys that, that got through that period with me in 2008. And if, you, if you're a determined young creative and your life is all about creating work and, and, and doing something like that and whatever it is, whether it's design, illustration, art, 3D, and you're passionate and driven, then you're going to find a way through the hard times. And I feel, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people would agree when I was at university, I could almost, you could almost see, I mean, we had quite a ramshackle year of people, but you knew that 50, 60, maybe more percent weren't going to continue this as a career because they weren't taking it seriously. Yeah. And maybe had a bit of talent, but weren't applying it properly or, or whatever it was. Um, so yeah, it's, it's quite hard that these, these periods can, can be quite, they can almost separate the people who, because it was, it's hard enough when you're in a good time to find a decent job in design or, or get a career out of it because it's, it's a pretty heavy industry. Uh, can be quite cutthroat. Um, so I think with times like this, when, I mean, jobs are on hold right now, clients are putting things on hold, it, it kind of, it all trickles down right from the top. So it just makes people more creative about the ways that they get by in these sort of times. Um, certainly when I was at yeah, 2008, going back then, I mean, I, I had a day job for a couple of years when I, I worked in a, in a shop and it was, it was this weird double life where I worked in a shop in the daytime, just selling food. And in the evening, I would start, I would create posters for bands nice. that I love. And that all came about from um, a blog that I set up at the same time. So the original guys of Middleboot was uh, Middleboot blog and, and Zine, and then Middleboot as as kind of a collaborative of illustrators, myself and a friend of mine. Um, then he he did quite well. He used Middleboot to get a job with Adidas within <laughs> about eight months. So wasn't that fussed about continuing with me which is completely fine yeah, yeah. So, um yeah he he left but um i just i just saw something in it at the time and the zine started getting press we got on computer arts and created a review for the first time with the zine and strangely the blog started picking up quite a lot of traffic organically away from the design side of things and and suddenly i found myself with quite a lot of contacts in the music industry which was exactly where I wanted to sort of fairly naively work in. Um, so 
I used those contacts to to start getting work really in in music and but yeah I mean to survive through that period it was really weird because I was doing you know I was doing the shop work in the daytime and, and doing posters for like bands like indie bands deer hunter and god knows who in the evening and so I kind of had these two streams of income but it was still at a point where I couldn't afford to move out of my mum's house um but I guess that came a bit later when the when the industry evened out but I think in a roundabout way that's what I'm, what I'm trying to say is it can be it can be extremely daunting being in a time that we're in right now with you know I've got friends of mine that again that work in the music industry that all of their work has been put on hold right now because no one's allowed out of their house so you can't go to gigs and then if you can't play a gig then you don't make money in, in music um, but I suppose in more of the creative industry in our world, it's, it can be quite an exciting time too because you can you can use it to your advantage and and do things a little differently. Like, you know, we we set up the zine when no one was doing zines and people got into it and you know without any funding got the blog to, to the point where we had how many staff do we have? We had like probably about a hundred different people working on the website when, when we grew it, like writers, photographers, editors, the whole team, um, all freelance. Just just coming. Well, no one really got paid to be honest. <laughs> we we didn't earn any money from it, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, it just all of these kind of creative avenues you, you can then find something in, and, and through those creative avenues, I met some of my best friends and, and people that have hugely influenced my life and career just because I had sort of time on my hands and, and just wanted to do something. And also I, I wasn't ever really that interested in joining a, a design studio full time. I think certainly at the beginning, I, I kind of almost wish I had done now because I remember someone saying to me, Oh, you need to learn the trade for a year or two and then go out on your own. Yeah. And I was like, you don't know what you're talking about, mate. That's bullshit, you know. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about it a couple of days ago, and I was thinking, I wish I'd done that now. Right. <laughs> Maybe just a year to sort of learn, uh, learn a bit more about the business. Because yeah. um, I had to learn all of that on the fly as well, and, and make a lot of mistakes as I went along. And yeah, but it's yeah. So I think these are these are pretty tough times for a lot of people, but. If you're clever about it and, you, and you're determined enough, certainly from a younger age where you don't mind working all hours of the night, then you'll, you'll find a way to kind of get by. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Radim's just joined. Yeah, just see, yeah. <laughs> nice one. Um, does yeah. he know you've got a, a framed poster on his yeah, wall? Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah. Um, Did he sign it for you? It is, it is signed, I think, yeah, at the bottom of it, yeah, yeah. Well, that would be uh, worth about 50p then. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so going going back to the um, the financial crisis of sort of 2008, I know we don't, you know, we don't, you said we don't want to really talk about the coronavirus stuff too much, but uh, I don't so want to develop that. Yeah, people people need some light relief, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, and we will get we will do that. Um, it's just interesting right now especially for, for me who's uh, starting out in, in sort of on the journey and on the career and um, and there's a lot of people that will 
he could give some good advice to as well. Uh, so they said about being creative and finding different ways of getting getting a job. Uh, what sort of ideas would you have for that? Like, is there anything that would make you go, "Wow, like we should hire them," even in this sort of time? So, I mean, it's a really tough one. That kind of how to stand out for, but I think well, first of all, I mean, the the, the best practice is when you're emailing a studio is to, I mean, just do your research first, like basic research, because we get, and I know, Radim, if you're still on the call, he gets a lot, and we all get a lot of uh, sort of unsolicited emails. It's just like, hi, guys, here's my work. And it's really, it's so bad, because you just think there's, there's so many people that are emailing me that, you know, we've we've got very little work, uh, um, you know, we, we only hire a certain amount of people kind of through freelance. So there's only so many places, really. Um, it's just tough because then there are other people that stand out more because they show a bit more of a drive and a passion for, for the work that we do or, or they know a bit about my background or, or all of those little things. And I think I bumped into this guy who we do some work with the, the charity Football Beyond Borders and one of their guys uh one of the, the people that they work with uh called me at an event and was kind of said well do you mind i've not had any kind of bites from studios like do you mind helping me out so i got him to email me what he would email to a studio and it was you know all of the pointers that it just sort of ticked all of the bad boxes um and someone said i think this is really good advice like if you're emailing someone for the first time um, almost compare it to you know when you're at a party and you you get chatting to someone who just talks about themselves for like half an hour and how great their life is and how good they're working <laughs> those guys are always dicks right so when you receive an email that's just hey I've done this and aren't I great and you just kind of like come on guys like show some interest in <laughs> Look at that. That's a really good bit of advice. Um, and I think that that's the that's the first port of call, just to do your research. And it doesn't take long to to scam a website or 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 look online and read a couple of interviews. And I, I just think things like that are just the fundamentals. Like if you really want to work somewhere, you've got to show that you want to work with those guys. And and that's that's one one tip to stand out uh another one i think that, that gets overlooked more and more now is actually having printed material um i, I love uh, designers or creatives you, you love i mean look at your flat there it's full of graphic design printed material yeah you know whether it's prints or t-shirts or posters or magazines or whatever it is um i don't get so much of that you know we we, we get some of it but we, I guarantee you we open everything and reply to everyone who sends us something. I've been sent all sorts of cool shit as well, like uh, footballs and T-shirts and posters and tote bags. And, you know, you engage more with those sort of people and you remember it as well. And that's another thing. It's that because people get, I mean, we probably get, I don't know, 30, 40 emails a week from prospective designers and free yeah. maybe even more and that's not a lot that's not that much compared 
a lot of other people. Um, so imagine that like every week and then when you finally need someone when you're actually in a position to hire a freelancer or a, take on an intern where do you start um in, in terms of remembering all of these people um booth house tales has just joined yeah we've got a question from him yeah uh, if anyone needs to know about good pubs in in london then booth house tales is your man <laughs> saying that you've thrown a kettle over a pub <laughs> No, it's all lies. Yeah, I've never been able to do it. Is that some sort of running joke? I don't know. It's a quote from The Office. Yeah. Ah. Chris Finch threw a copper kettle over a roof. <laughs> ah, I need to. Booze House Tales did try and throw a shoe over a pub once. He did not succeed. But yeah, that's that's good advice about standing out um, with the print with the print stuff because I've had an idea even. If you're sending, maybe if you want to work at a football club, maybe not just send them a foot like they say, send them a football with like your in your details on it, and um, please, I don't know, please return via email and then put your email. I don't know. There's some. There's definitely some creative ways I've never thought of. Me, totally. Yeah, you. You know, it doesn't have to be this big experiential thing where you kind of turn up outside someone's studio. Yeah. Something as simple, like you say. Yeah, I mean, you work for a football club now. Imagine if someone sent you a. You know, like a a bloody uh, match day zine or something like that, or mm. or a, a sticker book or something like that. And all of this stuff is it's it's all affordable. You can you can do it on a budget. You don't need to spend hundreds and hundreds of pounds on on printing. It's you can find ways of doing it. Um, but it's just it's creative, and it's it, the the more that the ideas stand out, the more you're going to stand out, and if 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 you like it if someone likes it then you're going to get hired or you know i mean we used to um when i was still doing illustration when i started and was trying to get kind of start speaking to magazines and stuff like that and uh i would i'd go into like smiths and find like i go okay cool like wired because you get all the details of the art directors yeah, and yeah. the art there and then you'd send them something i used to do these like pull out i don't know if i've got any i've actually got some of the old zines here there you go that was one of the that was one of the old zines that's cool 400 quid i spent on a nice printing stock and the idea was I got um, a bunch of old artists that I really liked, like Sawdust Studio, a um, couple of illustrators, to each do like a double-page spread. Nice. So it was a nice way of engaging with people. Uh, there's Radim's book. He did a page. Um, yeah, engaging with studios that I really wanted to engage with and actually have something tangible to sell. Um, and we basically sold out of all those zines. It was, it was a really cool thing to do. Um, yeah, just anything. Like, I mean, like for the magazines, we had like fold out printed matter, um, like a concertina book. And I'd just send it to oh, loads of people. And, you know, I think that it probably cost me about 500 quid. And, and then you pay for the postage and everything on top of that. So probably six, 700 quid. But you make that back with your first job editorial and and then you might you might stay in, in people's minds and you know certainly because i used to send them out to advertising agencies and then 
by the time I started working with advertising agencies, you'd see some of the work that you'd sent on people's desks. And I think that was always the key for me. It was how do you create something that is, is good enough to not go straight in the bin and for people to keep them. Yeah, that's good. You know, they might just put it in a drawer and forget about it, but it's that kind of, it's those fine margins, isn't it? You only need one person or two people to fall in love with the work or, or love the idea. And then you're set, you know, you've got a commission or you might have a job or, mm. um, yeah. So it's, it's just all those ways of standing out. Um, another bugbear of mine, what, whilst we're on this subject, with people sending CVs, you know what really, you know what really fucks me off. Uh, yeah, can I have a guess? Yeah, have a guess. Is it the uh, the rating, raising how oh. good you are on Illustrator and Photoshop? What a load of bollocks that is! <laughs> yeah, I knew it'd be that. that? <laughs> you, have you done that? Did you do that? Did, is that how no, you got your? No, 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 no. <laughs> That's not how I got my job. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that everyone needs to stop doing, that's for sure. Why do they do it? I don't care. You know, well, it's I mean, also if that was... hard to judge, isn't it? Yeah. Who's ever given a star rating to someone on Photoshop? It's, it's mental. Oh, that's <laughs> so true, so true. It's like, you know, um, McDonald's, have you ever seen the people that work in McDonald's, they have stars in their batch? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like that, isn't it? You're, you're trying to, how, how do you get those stars if you work at McDonald's? You feel really special when you get a Big Mac off someone that's got five stars, don't yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> They're really good at their job. Then you're going to get a good service from them. That's good. Yeah, all the <laughs> managers have like filled up badges, like perfect stars all over their body. Great. Wanting around, yeah. No, but it's honestly, yeah, you don't need to do that. I think um, CVs and all, the, all of these little things, they really count for something. And oh, another thing that, that, that I mean is. Uh, a no-no for me is uh, oh the the Moot Art Gallery had five stars at McDonald's. Good for you. Yeah, that's that's impressive. I'm really glad that these guys have have, have been on the line to be. Yeah, you are. Yeah, living the dream. Let us know how you get five stars at McDonald's. I would like to know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's just wait for their reply. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh file size right is another thing because i've had people send me like we transfer links to like a 30 meg pdf and stuff like right, that and right just uh, i know it's little things and especially when you're a junior and you're at, when you're at uni and you're creating work on a computer for the first time it it doesn't really matter these sort of file sizes but to us it, it really does because it shows that you haven't considered all of those aspects um so yeah, it needs to be, everything needs to be nice and neat and concise. Mm. And everything needs to be considered, the typography. The amount of PDFs and portfolios and CVs I get which have really bad typography and you're trying to sell yourself as a designer. Um, and I did it myself. Like my first CV was, was an absolute bombshell. You know, it was an absolute mess. Like, and I look back now and think, I can't believe I did that, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. If I now being on the other side of it, you know, that is a piece of advice. It's yeah, everything needs to be considered. And just have time spent on it, and then it, it it's all time well spent because it's it will give you more of a chance to get a job, especially in these times when certainly right now there there potentially won't be any too many jobs on the market for a while. Mm. 
yeah, like, that's that's good advice. I mean, the first first job I had, I had was um, like an internship straight out of, out of college, uh, whilst um, then studying at Shillington Design College while in London at part time. Uh, yeah, and that's what I did. I tried to stand up, made made my little portfolio into a little printed booklet, um, sent it through with a little letter, and yeah, they liked it. I mean, I don't like I say I don't think too many people do that these days. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, the per- honestly, you know where I learned all this was uh, going back to the blog that I used to run. Uh, because we got PR agents would send us stuff all the time, send you a really nice press release with a record or a CD, and I kind of I learned quite a lot through the PR people about how to properly do it and how to time a PR release and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, when I was really trying to get, especially kind of get to know the design press more computer arts design week mm-hmm. all of that I used to do it all the time I used to I'd create a print for a band or a t-shirt or a bit of merch or whatever it was and then i'd print off a few extra copies and then send them around to design press and then got quite a lot of, kind of press for that just through sending them printed stuff and i know those guys still get a lot of things but um it's all really important. I think that I did a talk once with, a, uh, uh, it was like a, a group chat with a bunch of, with a couple of designers for uh, Design Week. And the idea was giving tips to, to people just starting out. Uh, I remember um, saying this then, kind of like it's really important to send stuff to press to build up a name for yourself. And this guy from Design Studio really went for me. He was like, I couldn't disagree more. How dare we waste people in the press's time? Like, we as a studio, we just release work and people really like it. And I was, I was just, we had quite a big argument, which was great for the, for the talk because, yeah. Um, yeah, you could see like guys from Design Week were just rubbing their hands together. Like, this is the proper, this is like is question. Um, I watched that somewhere online. No, it wasn't filmed. It wasn't filmed. But, um, what was his argument though? Well, I don't get it. It was just a prick, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, his argument was that you, you, I think he was trying to say that it's not about how you promote yourself. It's just if you do good work, then it'll get recognised. Right? Mm. But my caveat to that is that's the bullshit answer to a room full of students because you know there's there's that hundreds of thousands of students that are trying to get that place and it's it's actually a mixture of both because you don't have to be the greatest designer in the world to get recognized for your work and to get press if you can talk about it enough and bullshit about it enough and, and show that you're driven and passionate and passionate about the subject people are into it people believe it they get behind you um but yeah, you, you need to know that sort of stuff as well because, I mean, even from university and, and through the years, I've, some of the best designers and illustrators I know, um, they're not all that well recognised and well, they find it hard to get work because they're actually amazing at sitting in a studio or a room and creating this beautiful artwork, but they can't sell themselves to people. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a really good balance between both. Where can people, well, how, do you, how do you learn to sell yourself? How is that just confidence or is that, where can people learn that sort of stuff? Um, 
I realised, um, oh, there's a friend of mine, Nick, has joined from, uh, from America. I think he's in LA right now. Nice. All right, Nick. He's probably logged off already. He's bored. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, how did I learn that? I think for me, I always sort of felt like I wasn't the most talented out there. And I was looking at people's work and who, who I loved and thought, I can't, can't match that, but what skills do I have? It's like, I think I'm good at the chat side of things. I think I'm good at selling, selling stuff to people. And, you know, even when we break it down to working in that shop, it was, I had to learn how to sell stuff to people then and realised I could do it. So it was probably a mixture of all of those things at that, at that point, but I'm always about kind of playing to your strengths. And I think I really enjoyed creating artwork and I always have done. And I could do that side of it, but I also know that there are much better people out there. So how do I get noticed just as well as those guys? And it's, it's about selling yourself. So it's, it's kind of, you do, you can learn it. You can definitely learn it. And it is about confidence. You have to be confident and you have to kind of not give, not sort of fear rejection. I think that's quite a big, big thing for a lot of people is that kind of fear of rejection. Yeah. And fortunately our industry is, you're just going to get rejected uh, many, many, many times. And because that's the way that the game is, you know, it's, it's a completely objective industry. We could create, you could create the, the best, like a new badge next week that will be incredible. And half of half of the crowd would love it. Half of the crowd could hate it. And it's, so it, it's a really, really tough one. But if, especially when you're younger and, and, you know, you haven't had, you haven't been burnt a few times yet. You need to kind of dive in head first and just not care about rejection because yeah for me eventually it it just makes you stronger and you kind of learn from mistakes you kind of learn why you get rejected and and even now um we one of the reasons why we changed middle boop and made it more of a we, we focused the work that we were doing to be away from advertising away from illustration much and just focus on work kind of packaging and branding for startups and small businesses was because we lost a few good jobs and I kind of took stock on why we lost them. One was a beer brand would have been great rebrand. They'd just been crowdfunded. They have money. would have been a nice job and I'm smug to say that their rebrand looks shit. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever did it, um, you know, I'm quite, yeah, I'm quite proud of that one. But, uh, you know, there were a couple of those jobs that I just, I know I would have been good at and our studio would have been great at doing and, and would have added a lot of value to their business, but we didn't get them. So I wanted to know why we didn't get them. Uh, so I took stock, interviewed the people as much as I could, uh, spoke to them about why we it didn't work this time with us. And they gave some really good feedback and I actually spoke to a lot of clients around that time as well, previous clients and people we were working with currently, um, and kind of asked, you know, what's the deal here? What, how can we better provide a service for you guys so that you're happy um, and content and we're happy knowing that we're providing the best work? And 
it all ranged down to kind of how we were presenting ourselves and, and how we were focused in the studio. So, yeah, you're always learning, man. That's um, a real good point as well as is, um, getting, make sure you do get feedback from, from rejections. Make sure you get a positive out of, out of the rejection. As in the positive being, you get some feedback, um, not something that they say that's nice about you. As long as you get in constructive feedback from, uh, from the rejection, that's that's a positive. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. And then using that, obviously, you've got to use it, otherwise it's just a bit wasted. But um, yeah, well, there's, like... you know, there's a big, there's a lot of egos in this industry and in, in yeah. all industry. And I think you know a lot of people potentially find themselves a bit too big to um, to maybe take that sort of criticism and I've seen it I've seen it with all sorts of people um, so again it's another way of standing out if you're clever enough and you're kind of focused enough to um, uh, accept that sort of rejection and, and and learn from it then that's only going to benefit you so much more the next time you get one of those sort of jobs and you know this is what I tell a lot of clients now we, we had a conversation today with with um uh, a, a business that we're rebranding kind of a, a music business and they they do they're a bit of a one-stop shop they do all sorts of stuff um and it, it for me it's simple because from the outside you can see all right well if you need to get if you want to get more work whether in new industries then you need to focus the messaging right and give people a reason and a, and a kind of value proposition for wanting to work with you and um it's quite interesting because you can do it very easily for other people because you're on the outside of that world. But it's actually, yeah. it takes quite a lot to kind of sit down and go, all right, what do I need to change to make myself better and to kind of climb that ladder? That's very similar with, uh, with, with designing your own logo for yourself. Uh, that happens all the time when, when you're trying to create something yourself, you're never quite happy with it. Uh, well, you can't, yeah, you can't look at it from an outside point of view. So. Oh, I hate it, man. Yeah, your own logo. And, I mean, we've just redesigned the site, and yeah, website one. That's... Took ages to do, and yeah, because you can, yeah, <laughs> you know, that sort of stuff. Um, so tell me, tell me about Middleboop and how how you've grown it uh, up to where it is, and working with these huge, huge companies. Uh, and oh, how yeah. do I do it? <laughs> I started, I've moved closer because someone's asked yeah. me to move the mic closer. There's still a big echo on the, on the Instagram. Have you got any questions while we're, while we're sorting this out? Has anyone got a question for Creative Waffle? You've got two, yeah. What are the, oh, there's loads now. <laughs> Which one do you want to answer? The battle against procrastination while working at home. Well, it's, it's kind of all right for me because I've worked from home for many years, uh, certainly when I started out, when I, I first moved to first moved to North London, like when, when was that? Ten years ago, I was working from home then, so I kind of I've got my routine. That's but, the key yeah. thing, isn't it? Having a routine. I think we actually I just did um, did two podcasts on this with Dave uh, Dave Will, design the illustrator, sports illustrator. So you can you can check those out. But, uh, but yeah, it's a real good um, good point. Uh, routine is is a is a massive thing. Um, Oh, my Instagram live's gone. But yeah, routine is is, is huge. Um, like you've got to treat it like a real job. Uh, like, and then you've got to be strict to yourself. Um, also, Dave gave him really good advice of getting dressed like you're going to work, not like like me right now, where it's all relaxed. If you're, if you're wearing so funny, 
I said exactly the same thing to someone earlier. Like that is exactly what it is. It's it's all about getting in the mindset of of like you're going for work. Uh, I think for myself, it's always been if I'm if I'm going to have a really productive day, then the best way to do that is almost like you either go for a walk or go for a run before work. Um, so you've left the house and you've kind of got some kind of it's almost like a fake commute kind of thing going on and you get back to your desk and yeah that's it you dress like you dress for work um see and then i don't know it's it's almost like you're cheating the mindset of uh getting into a work kind of based scenario yeah Yeah, it makes sense absolutely and there's obviously going to be days where you don't you know you don't feel like working and this is going to be hard and up and down days um yeah that's that's well, the biggest thing that I've picked up is getting dressed like going to work and, and like you say, going outside and coming back, just going to get the charger. All right. What, what advice would you have for someone looking to start their own design studio? Good question. Yeah, that's great. That I, I would say, you know, you've, you've got to go into it full time head and head first. If you're, you're going to set up a studio, because I think it's, I would say, do it when you're at a time when you can pay your rent for a, a good few months without worrying. Um, and don't worry if the phone doesn't ring because it probably won't for quite a while. Um, sorry, that's not me being miserable, but it's just <laughs> the way it is. It's, yeah, it, it's tough. You know, no, no one's waiting for a new design studio to be set up. You know what I mean? So you've got to... You've got to really just make sure you get out there, um, meet as many people as you can, talk shop as many, because you just, you never, you never know who's going to phone you up and who's going to need a new brand to build or, or some design work that you can do. It's, it's, it's fascinating. You know, um, I've worked with, we've hired new business guys before that kind of have done stuff and, uh, you know blanket email people and, and connected with people but you kind of think that basically like the likelihood of you um getting work from something like that is is so so rare but it's it is just at that point is kind of yeah it's just getting yourself out there as much as possible really and i think if you can do it when you've already got a client or two in the pipeline to kind of start you up that's that's perfect like that's the perfect position to be in um and just be everywhere be as many you know or have like one social channel that you focus your work on so instagram or linkedin um so that you can start building up a bit of a a fan base there um and again it's it's just about being creative about who you connect with um yeah it's, it's it's pretty tough or if you've got time on your hands and in between client work, do something really fun. Like do something that that will get you noticed and get you pressed. Like I saw my mate Wade has just joined from, uh, and him and his his wife Lita. I mean, they're, they're amazing at, at doing their their own stuff and uh, um, how they publicise their work and how they talk about it. And uh, yeah, they're like a really prime example of, of people that started their own studio. In, in the right way, I think, because they do work that they want to do. Um, so, yeah, I think, I hope that answers your question in some way. Yeah. Nice. Uh, 
That's what was the last song inspired you? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, I loved um, Uncut Gems. If anyone's oh, seen that, well, it's really good. It's on. It's on Netflix. It is the most stressful film you'll watch. It's unbelievable. But it's like the soundtrack's great. The soundtrack's by One of Tricks Point Never, who's a really good electronic artist. It stars Adam Sandler, which is mental. But like he's he plays this this diamond uh, dealer, and yeah, the whole film's yeah. I, I even I had to fast forward some of it because it was too stressful. But it's a brilliant film. It's really really inventive. Um, and then uh, Parasite as well. I thought was fantastic. Never one I've seen. Um, is that the Korean one, isn't it? Yeah, the Korean film. It's amazing. We we watched it um, uh, before Christmas. My my partner's auntie is a BAFTA member, so wow. uh, we watched it watched it with them, and uh, it's brilliant. Yeah, it was uh, really good. To become a BAFTA member. I think you have to work in the industry. She works in films. So, uh, uh-huh. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty good place to be. Not right now though, because they've cancelled filming. <laughs> of, yes. like, but uh, I've got a few film recommendations. Chris says go and watch Good Time. Good Time is that the? I think that's the other film that's by the directors of Uncut Gems. Maybe I think so. Uh, yeah, I, haven't then, watched... uh, I don't actually know your name, but OJWF on Instagram is also saying. Uh, if you like that film, go and watch Good Time. So yeah, I guess there's a link. Okay, I'll watch Good. <laughs> so how, going back to the design stuff and starting your own and studio stuff and middle boot, how did you get it from starting out to where you're working with Adidas and these huge companies? And there's probably a whole podcast in itself or hours of conversation. But is there any advice you could give on that? Okay, so funny, I was thinking about this as we were talking because I remember sending an email to like the adidas website when we were first <laughs> out um and we got a reply and they actually said yeah we don't accept unsolicited emails <laughs> uh. but how did i get to work with big um it took a while oh yeah that's it yeah the safety brothers yeah okay um sorry it took a while to get to that stage and build things up and build up a reputation and um i I don't know i'm trying to think of the first sort of big brand that i worked with but i did a lot the thing is because i used to do a lot of illustration i kind of got known in the design scene for illustration that helped a lot and then obviously when i started working in advertising we got to work with big brands all the time um and I think from there, I don't know, just through the years, you just start working with people. And it's funny because, yeah, I used to do a lot of interviews and people would always say, oh, um, what clients do you really want to work with? And I'd be like, oh, Adidas and Nike and all these sort of people. And, and, and now I, I really I don't care. You know, I, I love... I love, I mean, I actually really enjoy working with Adidas, but like um, generally I just, I love working with like people who've just got a really cool idea and they want to launch something, whether it's like a, you know, anything from a coffee shop to, uh, I don't know, an eco-friendly 
training brand or whatever. Like there's a, everything's, every job is so different. And I always prefer to work with people where there's a lot less kind of red tape because you can just focus the creative work, build it on trust and then build something out properly like that, which is more fun. But because it kind of wasn't your question, but I think, <laughs> yeah, there's no easy answer to how I got to work with bigger brands, but I think it's just building a reputation over the years of just continually doing work, um, continually being in people's ears, like everything helps. Um, the act, so the actual reason we got to work with Adidas, which I guess will segue into the weird World Cup stuff. I don't know if we're doing that. Yeah, yeah, let's do as it. A podcast or no, no, we'll carry on. Was uh, th- yeah through the Weird World Cup, which is so basically, I guess uh, there's been a number of projects that I've done over the years that have been self-initiated projects um and some have done well some haven't done so well but the ones that do well normally kind of connect to people in another industry in some way and then you kind of engage with a new market and i think the first one i did was i did a a list of film prints and the idea was to take uh inspirational quotes from retro films yeah and I did one, I got asked to do, is a guy called Timber Smiths, who's a really amazing Australian illustrator. I think I've heard of his name. Um, oh, he's got a great story. He's a lovely bloke. And he asked me to do, he, he was doing a show for Little White Lies magazine. And I did a print for Bill and Ted for that show. And I, I realised that the, I got such a good engagement from people with that. The amount of people that like, love that print not specifically because it was a, a like a particularly good piece of art it was just people loved the quote and they knew the quote and they could get it straight away and i realized that i could connect to people on a different level here and it's not just someone going but you know that's a nice print they had a kind of emotional connection to it so built up a list of those and and toured that did a tour of that around america did a, a gallery in LA, gallery in New York, nice. and publicised the hell out of that and um, didn't really make any money off the exhibitions, yeah. um, but made a, made a lot of good connections through people who love the ideas. And yeah, even now, I mean, I do them in talks. I'll get people to guess the films in talks and stuff. You know, it's quite, it's just quite fun because people have that emotional attachment to it. Um, and I think, yeah, that's that's what sort of happened with the Weird World Cup as well. And, um, just these ideas that can, can help amplify you as a creative into different markets. Um, yeah, so to summarise that little point, that's, a, that's, again, a good point about creating personal projects or projects that could get you known or, or out there is to play on emotion. I mean, feelings and emotion uh, need to come through in design sometimes. And most of the time, it's good to get get some sort of that in it um yeah and that's that's yeah i say build up a connection with, with people is play on some someone's emotion and that's you're gonna feel connected to them um, yeah, or to totally. a piece of artwork or to a memory that they've had so so yeah such a good example yeah. as why the world world cup is is like playing on people's childhood memories or playing on just like memories they've had with their friends down the pub watching the world cup um or, or just flickers of history it's great Thanks, man. Yeah, this is it. 
Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, let you talk about it. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Well, I, I kind of I just something else just popped into my mind about how I built up the studio as, mm. as well, as, um, which I might as well talk about. Um, yeah, is um, so I've had these points in my career, right? And and they've always happened. And it, it's like I'll get to a point where I feel like I'm kind of done with that thing, where I feel like it's gone as far as it could go, and me as a creative wanting to kind of keep evolving what I do and how I can kind of better service people and whatever it is. Uh, um, yeah. Is, is it really, really important? I think for illustration um, that happened quite, quite quickly after a few years, I had this point where it was the only way I felt that I could make a proper living out of it and do it as a career is if I, if I relied on getting sort of two to three advertising jobs on top of all the editorial work and the music work and stuff. And I kind of, you know, I had a style that I was known for and, and all of that sort of stuff. And I, I just realized the chances of that happening were so, so slim. And with advertising, there's, there's always a trend between photography and illustration and it will flip and it's now 3d as well. And right at the time when I was illustrating, there was a big boom in photography. So every printed campaign was, was really photography led. And there was very little illustration work going in ad, ad stuff. Um, so I, I got on a, a bit of a train with, do you remember infographics when there was a boom there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrible stuff. But it, <laughs> basically I got this like one job and it was... It, it, this was like a big moment in my life where I was working in the shop, right? And I was thinking about this the other day. I got fired from the shop. And I kid you not, like about three or four days later, um, I got a phone call off of a mate who said, do you want to create some artwork for this brand? And then that led to being a kind of my first real, like more corporate brand job. And I was able to focus some of the illustration work I was doing uh, into like infographic stuff. And I realized that was quite a nice segue into working in advertising. And I started working with you know, people like McCann and, and Gray and all these sort of ad agencies. And I thought, well, this could be a really cool way of kind of infiltrating the ad agency from the inside and like going in, showing them my work. And eventually you might hear someone kind of going, Oh, we need some, we need some illustration, and I could do it. Yeah. Um, I've I've actually just seen my old friend Adam Carter has joined this, and he's done exactly the same thing. With he's done really amazing type work, and um, he now works in advertising. And he does some amazing campaigns, which everyone would have seen. Um, they might not know he's done it, but uh, yeah. And anyway, but yeah. That, so it was kind of that constant evolution to kind of keep trying to do different things and, and find different ways of doing it and I actually like I got to a point then a few years into advertising when I really enjoyed the lifestyle and, and working on ads and I kind of gave myself this ultimatum then where it was like well I could continue illustrating and and do, trying to illustrate and then create you know being a designer in an advertising agency and there was this point where it was me and Malika Favre, the illustrator, up against the job for each other, for Westfield. It's a huge out-of-home campaign. 
would have been, would have, yeah, would have paid my rent for about a year. Wow. <laughs> Probably more. Um, it was a big, big job. And she won it because she's Malika Favre, right? And yeah. her work incredibly iconic. Um, and I remember my agent at the time saying, why don't you start doing work like Malika Favre is then? And I was just like, I've been doing this for like five years and now you're telling me to be like someone else who's incredibly, you can't really mimic her work without looking like her. I thought it was such a poor, and I just thought, I feel like I'm at the end of my tether with, with just pure illustration like that. And I'm really enjoying advertising. So I kind of stopped it for a little while. And I, I was working with Coca-Cola at the time, by the way, on an illustration, but I was just like, yes. yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying. And, I, and then I kind of, I, I molded myself throughout advertising to start art directing people and, and realized I actually quite enjoyed being on the other side and directing like much more talented people than me <laughs> to do, to do the work. And, um, it, yeah, so I think it, it's that kind of constant change. And then I got, got to the point in, in advertising where I'd felt that I was kind of done with that really. Like I was a bit bored of, you know, doing a, a, a print ad for direct line or, or as do or something. And I, I just felt that what I really loved doing was, engaging with clients directly and because I've always had that throughout my whole career um I just had these other things going on whether it was advertising or whatever it was and I realized I could by this point through everything that I'd done with illustration everything I'd learned in advertising from people that weren't just designers like you know you're talking accounts handlers how you handle that that side of things and planners and how important their job is to the whole process and you know, it's interesting when I look at a, a really good campaign that goes live that might look amazing in 3D. I don't, I don't often think like, God, that's, that's some great design. I think the guys behind that in accounts and planning and, and all of that who actually managed to sell that idea in, you know, they deserve a real pat on the back. And, um, yeah, but I just got to that point with it where I, I was kind of done with it. And I realized that I really loved building brands and through everything that I'd done, it, it was time to kind of focus more on that. And by this point I made that jump and set middle boop up as a studio. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was tough really at first cause we did, we'd done, you know, I had a couple of clients and flitting in and out of stuff. And basically what I did was take a real hit for about a year on the payment side of things and did a lot of just really fun creative projects started working with interns started doing a lot more lecturing and, and speaking events um and then just built it out from there and it's funny like when i started to focus the kind of value proposition for the studio it didn't take long to then get some of the big clients in like unilever and hsbc and all those guys and it's interesting because the idea was to work with, you know, little beer brands that might have been crowdfunded or, but yeah, it's, it's been great. And especially right now, it's handy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's interesting that uh, you started off sort of not really worrying and just being as creative as possible. And I guess that got you noticed for being in a creative studio 
and then you started focusing more on the money side of it once you once you had a base full of a really cool portfolio, I guess. Yeah, totally. I think it's yeah. There always comes a time when I always thought that if you love something and you love doing something and you and you're good at it and good at persevering with it, then the money will come. And it, in my career, it always has done. And whether that's when I was illustrating and and still living in my parents' house or, uh, you know, whether I was taking a punt on, on pivoting what we offered and how we did things. It, it, it's always, it's always come because people, if you work hard enough and you have enough conviction, then people will take notice and people believe in what you, what you do really. Nice. That's a good message to send out there as well. Uh, let's get on. Let's go on to the World World Cup stuff because I know I'm taking up so much of your time now. Uh, so that's great. On. I'm enjoying this. Yeah, no one else is. I am. So that... <laughs> I am I, definitely. Yes. Yeah, so let's go on to no, the World World Cup stuff. That's that's awesome. So let's go on to that. Let's do it. Okay. So this what was a it? great. Yeah. Sorry. What Didn't is mean it? To <laughs> oh yeah. What is it? So the World World Cup. For those of you who may not know, I don't know if I have any. I don't know if I actually have any here, but so the idea was that I was, it was when I was setting up the studio as it is today and had done a lot of kind of corporate work and was pretty bored of working with corporate clients and being, just having my ideas taken away. And I, I, I also was very aware that it had been a while since I'd done something for a bit more of a greater good to actually benefit someone other than make people money and I really wanted to do something that was fun and would engage with artists and, and try and connect with people and then the World Cup was coming up it was a few months away and I had uh, a guy that was interning for me at the time called Callum Stevenson who was a great guy I, I met him when I was lecturing at Ravensbourne Uni and he was like the one guy in that year that stood out because he was a decent bloke he had talent he kind of got it he got what you needed and so i had him working for me for a bit um and then he yeah he kind of he interned for me for a while and then actually worked on some freelance work for me and we just went to the we were celebrating a project well done in the pub and we were saying like we need to we should collaborate on something that's a bit different. We should do something for kind of for a charity and we should do something around the world cup. Right. But as a designer, it's, you know, it's, everything's been done. I mean, you're not going to do a t-shirt range, are you? Or a tote bag range or a, it's just all been done or a poster range for the world cup. It's, it's boring. It's all been done. But we were in a pub and talking, we were watching the champions league and it was just one of those moments where I think it was that day, I kind of had a beer mat in his hand and we were like, that'd be quite cool. Why don't we? And then sort of the idea started coming from this, this, you know, a couple of pints in like, why don't we print artwork onto these beer mats? And wouldn't it be funny if we got like Draplin and Sagmeister and all these sort of people involved uh, and ended up getting these beer mats in really like knackered old men pubs wouldn't that be hilarious to have these like really credible artists and their work just 
on these beer mats and people were resting their pints. I don't know, something kind of happened and it, it, it really felt right. Like it felt, we had this kind of funny idea that was kind of retro and on a, on a kind of medium that I didn't, I had not seen done before. And we, so we, we kind of wrote, literally wrote a brief to artists on like a napkin because I was saying, well, this could be a really cool way of engaging with artists that I love, designers that I love. Um, and we, we sort of used that as, a, as our first test really. So put the brief together and a couple of days later, sent the email out to, to people. The idea was to connect to artists from all over the world because it's the World Cup and it's, so the World Cup brings everyone together, right? To celebrate one thing. And we thought that this, this could kind of do that as well, but we had no idea that anyone would be up for it. And we pretty much from the first email, we got everyone that we wanted that said yes within half an hour. Yaza Twins, Hay Studio in Barcelona, um, who else said yes straight away? Ben Talon, Raj, who was on the call earlier, Raj Duno, who's a great illustrator, Dan, Dan Woodger. Um, Velvet Spectrum and then Wade from Lita and Wade who I don't know if he's still on here now he's probably been bored I don't blame him <laughs> but um, yeah we got like everyone seemed up for it because it was just a funny little idea and and it just developed and that was so we knew we needed to do it for a charity because I wanted to and I'm, I'm a really big believer in I don't really I don't sort of give money to charity that much but I believe in giving my time Mm. because I feel that that can make much more of an impact. So I give time and I give energy. So, and I hadn't done that for a while and I was very aware that I wanted to do something for the right reasons. And uh, Football Beyond Borders, who are a great football charity, they use football as a way of engaging with kids from really bad backgrounds uh, who maybe can't afford to go to university or, or uh, whatever their issue is. They, they bring them in as a community and build from there and they have classes and courses and they do amazing stuff. Um, so I found, I found the guy who ran it, Jasper, and just said like, hey, listen, we've got this idea. <laughs> um, and this was the most pressure that I had for this project was because I knew that I didn't want to do it if we didn't have Jasper on board because they were like the perfect charity. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, so Jasper was like, so let me get this straight. You're going to do this thing and give us money for it. And what do we have to do? Yes. I was like, well, I don't know, just give us the logo. I went, yeah, all right, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty easy to, to get involved. Yeah, I mean, it was fine for them. And so we had the artists, we had the charity involved. But then we needed to build this up. And uh, again, we had no idea if anyone would buy these things or how they would buy them or um, how it would kind of come about. And we basically, I started putting it out to press, which is kind of, I guess, a running theme of this is, is how important it is to have those connections and, and, and keep people updated with your work. And some Tom, uh, it's my friend that, Design Week, who's, who's edited edits there, begrudgingly edits Design Week. <laughs> He's not listening. There's a lot of right. effort that goes into that. 
Yeah, bloody is. Yeah, he's yeah, he works hard, man. But um, he, I phoned him up first and was like, "Do you want to cover this? We've got some cool artists, and we had also, you know, Craig Oldham did one, and um, that's awesome. Yeah, who else? Who else did? I'm forgetting some big names, and I'll anyway. Doesn't matter. But we had some big people, I think, and he phoned Tom and just said, "We got this thing." Do you want to do something about it? And he said, "Yeah, maybe. You know, I'll, I'll you know, I'll put it to the team and, and see if we can. You know, no promises." And then I'd taken a week off with my partner. We were going to go away, and the first day that we were like just not working, I get a phone call from one of their editors or one of their writers, and they want like interviewed me like, on the spot about the project. Like, okay. That's that's cool. Um, wasn't really wasn't fully expecting that, and then they were like, "Yeah, it'll probably take about a week for the for it to go live, and and we'll go from there." And so we hadn't got a website yet or anything, any web presence, any social presence, and it was really early because we were doing things so quick because there was only maybe four weeks before the World Cup started, maybe a bit more, maybe six weeks. Um, and yes, the the article went live the next day, and we had nothing. So I was on the phone to Callum and our train to take us to where we were going for our, our holiday was. We were so kind of so fine, and we like just trying to get this website together really quickly, and um, managed to get it live, and, and they just started selling straight away. We, we were getting. Um, we were selling. We made so many mistakes on that project, especially from early on. But um, we knew that there was a dem- not a demand, but that people wanted this product because yeah, yeah. they were buying them. And so we kind of knew we had something. We had a bit more confidence then to kind of go further. This is my cat. That's pretty, you... uh... <laughs> There's Nyla. <laughs> Nyla, you're live on Instagram. What do you think? <laughs> nothing um oh christ don't do that <laughs> you've actually been sat there really patient for about the last 40 minutes which is quite sweet um yeah and, and it, basically the project just grew and grew and grew and went so quick and I th- we realized that again going back to that point earlier about connecting with people in another industry yeah. as you'll know from doing your podcast suddenly it became it grew further than just the design world so we were getting it's nice that and create a review doing interviews and each article that went live meant maybe 500 pounds worth of sales or a thousand pounds worth of sales and then it it became more of a thing and it it, suddenly we were getting the guardian were doing a i mean they did a a double page spread in the guardian about this project it was mental isn't it yeah, and it, it, it just kept going and it, it got the football press involved. And I think that's when you realise the sort of power of design, how it can change people, change people's lives and, and, and make an impact on someone is it's when it, get, you, it gets out of that bubble. And I think in our industry, it's so incestuous. Mm. Um, it, it's so easy to to not go any further than that and not look any further than that. But if you can create an idea that, that can kind of hit people 
in different places you know like, like I mean football obviously everyone so many people love football right so football and art kind of go hand in hand and yeah yeah it just it just got bigger and bigger and we even had Crystal Palace were tweeting about the project wow and they're my football team for those who don't know and so that was like a really big month. I was emailing the chairman, Steve Parrish, and just like, yeah, he, he was really into it. And, and now I, I, I talk to the guys that work at Crystal Palace like pretty regularly. And I hope he's got get, a bit. I hope he's got a set of them. Hey, I hope he's Steve. Got a set. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he will do. Yeah. Nice. I went in. So we had a meeting about um, about potentially doing some work with Crystal Palace, and I brought in a load of beer mats and stuff. And yeah, that was a cool day. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I think it is. It's uh, the whole project was crazy. It was a really crazy time, and we had we got Adobe were involved. They they supported us, and this is how we got in touch with Adidas because someone from Adidas, um, one of the illustrators, Ben Talon, who did my favourite coaster, my favourite beer map, he did a he illustrated um, Roy Keane walking his dog having got kicked out of the island 2002 squad and his quote to the press was i told them to shove it up the bollocks <laughs> and that so the beer mat just says shove it up your bollocks and it's got roy Keane. um and i just felt that that was like the perfect moment for this this weird funny little moment you know that um people just get straight away um and the project grew. We, we honestly, um, I realise I've been talking for a long time. So right. I guess I'm enjoying the podcast, it. Isn't it? It's what's happening. Yeah. 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 Um, the project, I mean, we, we just, we, we were in touch with so many people. Yeah. Like, um, and we were sending them out and we had addresses like celebrities were buying them, um, like comedians, like all sorts of people. And they were turning up all over the world. So we kind of got this like, these different waves of press. So we'd have the design press and we'd make sales. And then we had the wider press, like we were in the sun and the guardian nice. and then all of the press went. And then the wave of Instagram started happening for it. People sharing them all over the world, like Europe, America, Australia, we were getting like, we'd wake up and there'd be people just taking photos of them in like bars in yeah, Australia and, Texas and I had people that I had this guy who owns like a I remember he owns like a speedboat company it's like millionaire he bought maybe like 30 packs of them we had to send them out to yeah I was crazy um so yeah it just grew and grew and grew and um we were we were able to make so the charity were fundraising they were using the world cup to fundraise for a new uh like hub for the charity and they needed 15 grand to do it and with our help they they got about 20 grand in the end wow that's amazing that's really cool yeah it, honestly it was it was so amazing to to kind of see them hit that target because they were in all of the press as well so it, you know it wasn't just from beer mat sales it was from kind of brand recognition for football beyond borders and yeah, it's it's great to be a part of it. Um, yeah, so I'm sorry. What, yeah, well, then, I know. I think that's, 
Well, I know someone that's um, doing something similar. Uh, like I mentioned earlier on, Dave Will, a uh, good friend of mine. He's um, better not be ripping my idea off. <laughs> he's not. He's not. He, like, so twenty. When was it? Twenty eighteen seventy. The like twenty eighteen Euros, I think it was. Was there World Cup? Which one was it? World Cup. Twenty eighteen World, World Cup. Cup. Same World Cup, was it? Yeah, it was the same uh, World Cup, yeah. So he did um, a mi missing in football album, missing in football album, uh, MIFA, he called it, instead of FIFA, uh, sticker album. So we got illustrators to put, uh, I'll just show you it. <laughs> yeah, that's a little, yeah. He did, uh, got the community involved and got people to put a sticker book together of basically all the stickers that didn't get involved in the book. Because um, you know how oh, the really? stick, you know how the like Panini sticker album doesn't have all the actual players in it, and some of the players' quarter gets updated, and then some of the players aren't in it. Um, oh yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. I never really thought about that. So then, like, he, he got illustrators to do that sort of stuff. Nice. And like That's all teams and stuff. So he's doing one right now. Um, sort of helping him out with it, uh, <laughs> with putting it together into a book. And, wow. Um, but for the for the Premier League, so it's a lot bigger. It's like a six hundred sticker book. So obviously, there's, it's not just the players. It's obviously the squad photos, and it's a huge operation. Um, How many illustrators have you got involved in that? Uh, we're not sure. It's just like an open call. So they've they've set up a spreadsheet, um, and he, he's he's the front runner for it. So he's set the spreadsheet up and then getting everyone involved. And you have to donate three three pounds to. Um, uh, a food bank charity. I can't remember exactly the name of the charity, but it's uh it's on Dave's Instagram. I'll send it to you later on. Um, it's a food bank charity based in Liverpool. He's, he's from Liverpool, and um, yeah, they're doing some great work with Liverpool and Everton football clubs as well at the moment. Uh, and um, so yeah, you have to donate three pounds, then you get uh, the spreadsheet. You put your name down next to a sticker, and um, you go from there and just hopefully fill them all up. So. Cool. Yeah, just see where it goes. Yeah, and he, he like you, he got a lot of press for the 2018 one. I think around around a World Cup, you're probably more likely to get a lot of press. And it's it's great to be around an event like that. And the timing obviously is huge. Yeah, timing is key. I mean, with our lot, it we we lucked out. That was a real happy accident that we we launched it just at the time where press were they'd kind of done all of the um i don't know what that means close the mic Ray. what does that mean don't know the mic don't care. yeah we kind of like the press had kind of done all of their stuff already um like for for injuries for all of that sort of stuff and they were kind of i think people were a bit bored of, of like pre-world cup stuff. stuff yeah so our idea was was just like we were giving them and this is really important you know if you're trying to get something a bit of press it's it's all about i've found from my experience is give someone a story then you're kind of doing work for them you know so it's like um if you kind of just give it on a plate like this is an idea i think it's going to do quite well um see what you think People are really receptive to that, and um, yeah, I think that's that's how it is. That's how it goes. Mm, nice one. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, this has been great. I'm, we're going to like come to the end of it and ask the last couple of questions that I'd like to ask uh, guests on the show. Um, 
but yeah, thank you yeah, for I've doing this. Talking a long time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I just, I've got to have dinner in a minute as well. <laughs> has your mum cooked you dinner? She has, she has. Uh, <laughs> it's probably my sister. Um, yeah, my my sister does the cooking mainly in the house now. My, my dad did it as well. Uh, but that's the great post about living at home. You, know, you don't have to worry about yeah. cooking. Especially if you if you sort of refuse to cook, <laughs> I just say I'm busy. I'm doing work all the time, which I am. So, yeah, you are working. You're working hard. <laughs> all right. So, uh, what's your best purchase under a hundred pounds? Doesn't have to be design related. Could be anything. My best purchase under a hundred pounds. This cat. <sighs> Nyla, because nice. we adopted her and we've got another one. She's fighting with me now. But yeah, we had to pay for it. So that's, and it was £75 for the two. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's cost me a lot more money since. But <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Nyla. Uh, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> that's a nice answer to that question. Thank you. Yeah. I haven't heard that one before. That's good. Um, okay, the next one uh, is do you have any final life advice? Do you have any one bit of advice you'd give to people? Life advice. God, that's it. Philosophical at the end of the podcast. Yeah. My mate Joe Maloney's just joined this podcast and uh, he's probably got some great life advice to give if he wants to. Yeah. He wants Go to type it. Joe? Go for no. it. Give some advice. Right. Well, while we're waiting for his uh, advice, I would say. Um, well, advice, so I always give this in my talk and I think it, it, it always seems to resonate well with people is that uh, you are, you're never too old to stop learning. And something that I've learned, yeah, there you go. Stop jo- yeah, with illness. Yeah, thanks, mate. I didn't know they were ill before I bought them. Wait, wait so when, this is another story. So when you bought your cats, they were ill? They're both ill, yeah. Well, they've both been ill quite regularly. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're never, you're never too young, uh, never too old to stop learning. That's a good question. Yeah, point. because I think, you know, ego is such a big thing in our, uh, in our industry, right? And it's so easy if you've done a great campaign to kind of sit back and rest on your laurels and think mm-hmm. you're good. I definitely, I've definitely had times where I've, I've kind of thought like, you know, I did, uh, I art directed the Olympics campaign for Rio for when we were at Saatchi and uh, along with a great team of people that worked on that as well. And I kind of I thought like I'm, you know I'm I'm at peak. Yeah. And then I had a, the next campaign I worked on didn't did terribly and you know and I think that that was when I was in that I was in the mix of that and I was thinking yeah I don't I think I was still in my twenties at the time and I'm just like I don't know everything I'm always learning you everyone's always learning I think so you're never good enough to stop stop learning and. I think I try and keep that at the back of my head, no matter where I'm at, career-wise or kind of life-wise, really. Um, it's good advice. Yeah, you know, I learned to rewire a light the other day because obviously I'm bored now with stuff to do. <laughs> Didn't know I could do that before. That is you know, pretty, you know, pretty cool. Never good enough to stop learning. So I think that yeah, that's good advice. I would say. Also, the Olympic addressing Olympic campaign. That's that is like yeah. the top thing you could do, in my opinion. Thank you. Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. It was all for a pitch. We got Saatchi. I, well, because I worked at Saatchi for a couple of years, and um, you know, just just got offered to do it one day, like pitch for it. 
and we had a great pitch, uh, a good creative team, my friends, Mike and Ben. And we, yeah, we had this, this idea of, of kind of having a, a big heart, 3D, or the idea was to do, uh, create a, a kind of execution like the True Detective uh, opening sequence. Oh, like double exposure kind of stuff. It would have been really cool. And we won the pitch on the back of it. And then the client decided that it would be a bit too kind of grainy and grim. And they wanted something a bit more uplifting. So I worked with uh, yeah, our kind of head of design at the time, a guy called Bruno, who's uh, an amazing talent. And we, yeah, we, we built this new concept, like 3D rendered kind of concept. And um using this kind of like heart as a metaphor because the, the, I forget the, the visa line now but these oh visas always on is their tagline and um so we kind of went with that and built these 3d collaged hearts using sports stars and pieces from rio and 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 built a load of key visuals that were all around yeah visa always being on it was uh yeah i'm just trying to put yeah. that on the, uh, the website yeah, there's still a few articles. Yeah. Still a few articles kicking around. It's it's yeah, really cool to, to hear that. What okay, so is is I've heard things about sort of um, Pentagram and such and such, these big companies, these huge, like really amazing design firms and creative firms. And what's it like on a day to day there? Um madness. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, it's uh, so right. I always used to say, uh and there was a real peak time at Saatchi when we were there and it was like we kind of you could kind of get away with a lot and and I think the, the kind of team that we had and they like the head of design and the creatives there we there was a lot of gravitas and there was a lot of trust so we did some mad we did some mad stuff when we were there um and basically yeah it was just chaos and I always used to say, if you can embrace, because people hate it, people would leave quite a lot, and you know, who weren't quite into it. But if you, I always say, if you can embrace the chaos of somewhere like Saatchi at that time, then you're in. You know, you can you can get some cool stuff done. And yeah, I think that time kind of has passed there now. I think all all of those guys that had that real kind of perfect sort of two or three years have moved on. Um, and now they're probably creating chaos somewhere else. But yeah, that time was, I mean, it was amazing. Like day to day, we're in this old building on Charlotte Street, like the original Saatchi building. It was like an old school. Um, and that's, that's been like plowed down now. That's flats, I think. But we, yeah, you could just, you could, yeah, raise hell and cause chaos. And I learned so much while I was there. It was brilliant. Um, how's it how's it chaotic like what's what makes it so crazy uh, just like so much stuff to do or like was just the people you're around or yeah the culture I mean, the culture was was pretty chaotic so everyone was pretty i think you kind of had your two parts you had people that would party a lot and then people that would not and kind of pick up the pieces <laughs> <laughs> and the people that would party a lot, like myself, would would probably tend to be the more creative guys. And so we we yeah, it was just chaos. Like you, 
you'd be going out on a Wednesday afternoon and not coming back and, and doing doing a pitch on Thursday to like a huge client and winning the job and you know we were all really cocky at that yeah. time with a really kind of cocky culture um um yeah it's is that what it takes though to get into one of those places because i've always had those sort of i used to have a big dream of working for pentagram or or, or Asachi, but that's sort of faded now that i'm, I'm where i am um but it, is, is that sort of the personality you have to be to get there what cocky well like yeah i guess so like I guess you have to. There has to be some sort of self confidence to get into such a big place. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, totally. I don't know. Yeah, you you have to you have to be part of the culture. You know, you have to. And if if it's yeah, if it's if it's pretty dry, then I think being a freelancer for so long, you kind of realise how important it is to kind of help fit in quickly. And I've, there's been some terrible places I've worked where I've just yeah the people we don't get on and and you leave and you move on to something else but with Saatchi it was like it was perfect at that time in my career oh. my friend Ked got me in there and I mean even the way I got in was was crazy because like so I um did I was meant to have an interview with him is the culture of the agency still cocky uh no such is very different now <laughs> we've all left all of the cocky ones have left um but yeah i did i was working for one of my friends bands and they had two gigs at the roundhouse two days in a row and partied a lot then and i missed the meeting <laughs> which i've never done before or since um i missed the meeting and kev phoned me up about three days later i was paranoid yeah and he was like you missed the meeting, didn't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry. I just like, and he went, I oh, know, it's all right, mate. Just um, like, do you want to come in and work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's, and that, that kind of sums up like that agency at the time. It just, the, people were all mates. Everyone was mates. There wasn't, there wasn't really a culture of like blaming and backstabbing. And, and we had, we had security for, we had a really good studio manager. Um, and she was able to take a lot of the pressure off of the, the creative studio to just actually do what they did to create the best work. And I think nice. that, that it, it, honestly, it helped so much because we weren't in a dry office. We weren't, it wasn't corporate. You were just allowed to kind of create stuff. And I think when that changed and it did change there, that's when people started leaving because the culture had changed and it became more about, you know, suddenly we were, yeah, it was a bit, yeah, I don't know. Probably sense. Trying, to work sense. Out, trying to work out how much I can say on this. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think yeah, it, um, it changed a lot and that's when people left and, and but that happens that's happened in so many agencies that i've worked with where for like six months or a year there's like this sweet spot and the creatives are creating amazing work and you only have to look at um oh what are they called i can't remember the name of the agency now but they did the cadbury's gorilla and they did the sony bravia bubble uh, balls advert all the balls bounce down the yeah, road i know Alan is the name of the agency and they had that sweet spot for like 
four years where everything they did was amazing. Mm. And then the culture had changed because too much money got involved or whatever happened. And they're now, um, in fact, they're now in the Saatchi building and there's about four, four people that work there. You know, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's all about the kind of culture and the people that you get in. And yeah, for that, for that kind of year or two, we talk about it. I talk about it with the guys there that I still see all the time. And one of their designers uh, now works with me quite a lot. He's over in Taiwan with his partner. And so I send him work at like 5.30. And when I wake up in the morning, he's done it. So we've got this kind of smooth system. Yeah, 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 it's constantly going. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to hear about that. And I'm sure I'll chat with you soon about that more. Um, off podcast stuff <laughs> but yeah uh this instagram live is probably going to end again in a minute but how much uh how, how do you know like what you're worth when you're starting out it's a good question from chris here what was that sorry how do you know uh how much you're worth when you start out how do i know you're worth um listen yeah you have to value yourself and, and kind of i mean how do you know your worth you don't no one knows no one knows your worth apart from yourself right and if you value yourself and you trust in in the, the creative work that you're doing and then then yeah i mean it's hard to put a price on it if you're talking about like you know knowing your worth in a monetary sense but if, if you think you're good and you've got conviction with it then you, you can probably prove to people that that you're worth it and you know i'm a big believer in in not not undercutting people and not undercutting yourself and i mean i've lost lots of work uh through doing that i mean it was the bbc about nine years ago that wanted me to really drop my rate and i just i just said no because like well why would i because i can work for someone else for the same money and you know it's Money's a big thing, especially in this industry, because it's, it can be hard to come by. And, if, and it can be, yeah, it's, it's a really tough subject, really. But knowing your worth, how do you know your worth? You just have to trust that what you do is good, is, is what you believe in, you know. And some people, you can see that it probably isn't that good. <laughs> but like, yeah. All you've got is your own is trust in yourself and if you trust in yourself then yeah so in regards to the yeah. pricing it's sort of testing it out and seeing how much people are willing to pay and then well that too yeah yeah you can always yeah. be cheeky about shit and just keep up up in the rate because people don't man i mean i have yeah. conversations with people who are in their sort of 40s like late 40s who charge half what i charge or even less and they can't believe that there are people that charges as, as much as maybe we do but then then i look i speak to other people who charge quadruple what i would charge um like bigger studios or uh, so it's yeah it's it's a tough thing knowing your worth in this industry but i think wherever you are you're always going to be guaranteed there'll be someone charging more than you and someone charging less than you and that's, <laughs> that's just the way it right should you, uh, should you approach an ad agency if you want to get an illustration work and what's the best way this instagram live is going to end very shortly i know that um, 
So maybe we'll just have to answer this on the podcast and then send you the link to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll start. I'll start answering it. Um, just you. You will never know. There's no easy answer for that. There's no ad agency that that particularly specialises in illustration. It is just being in the right place at the right time. If you've got an agent, they'll be going out to meetings all day, every day, showing 30, 40 people, you know, different people who are on their roster. Um, it is literally, it's so hard to make that connection with an ad agency. And even if you do, there's so much red tape. I mean, I just lost a mad, huge job with um, for the Super Bowl next year. And everything was tied up. The ad agency we're in, the client was booked in everything and then it went on hold and it was before uh, the virus stuff. It's just, I, well, I always kind of say until the job's done and the money's in your bank, then you've not done it. And so approaching an ad agency, just hit up as many as you can because there will always be one looking for illustration. Like the amount of times that I've been working in places and you, you kind of hear some creative teams who are looking or see people looking at ideas and you can influence that. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, there's, there's no easy way of doing it. And there you go. All right. Instagram live done. <laughs> yeah, we're done. That's two hours on Instagram live. <laughs> uh, okay, right. The last question before I let you go, cause uh, yeah, you need to go <laughs> and uh, get some food. Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you. I do really appreciate this. It's been an amazing chat as well. Um, I, hope, I hope it has. Yeah, I've really enjoyed myself, to be honest. It's been good. How, how can, uh, sorry, how, how do you want to be remembered is my last question to, to all my guests. <laughs> uh, right, well, um, I'll say the, the quote from the office is uh, a man who put a smart <laughs> And you did it. You've done it. I've got a smile on my face. <laughs> yeah, the man who put a smile on the face of all whom he met. <laughs> Such a good quote. Yeah, um, and that is, and that is that is fine. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of legacy. Um, like, I think I'd love I'd love to have some books in universities and stuff. I think that'd be really cool because um, I, you know, obviously I remember being that student and looking at Sagmeister's yeah. book, looking at Bauhaus books and all that stuff. And um, I remember going into the Epsom Art College years after I'd gone there and seeing some magazines that they had that had my work in. And that was kind of cool. And I remember thinking that'd be, a, you know, as a designer, like having your book in mm. regular libraries, that'd be a cool place to, place to be. Um, it's a nice place to end it, right? It's a nice place to sort of fade up. I'm proud of that. Yeah, and it's, it's like cyclical. It's it's, it's gone round. It's, it's gone back to the beginning again, you know, where it all started. So yeah, yeah. There's a man who put a smile on the face of all who met. Finally, where can people find you? Check out social media. Check out your work and uh, say hello. Um. So I'm. If you just yeah, middle boot is, is is where I'm at. So if you put that into Google, you'll you'll find the website, the studio. Instagram, I'm on there pretty regularly uh, as Middleboop again, and it's me or um, it's only me with the account actually. And then, yeah, that's that's it really. If you, yeah, nice. There you go. Thank you very much for being on the podcast, mate. My pleasure.
I've enjoyed it and I hope it's been of some worth to, to people that listen to it and not been too self-indulgent because I hate self-indulgent podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been really useful for me as well. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Tons and tons of great advice, as I mentioned at the start, and I really did uh, get a lot out of this episode of this conversation. Uh, as, as I mentioned, the blog post is up as well, the creativewaffle.club blog post, uh, building up a library of content over there, as well as the weekly waffle newsletter, and yeah, just good things happening with the podcast. Really, really um, pleased to see the, the newsletter grow. Over 100 people signed up. Uh, it's, it's very, very valuable. Also, the amazing zip file that you get as well. It's, it's just huge. Um, so much so much stuff in there so uh, yeah please do sign up please do get a zip file thank you very much for listening i'll see you in another episode of the creative waffle podcast or a weekly waffle newsletter see you then